0: This summer, the Monstars are back, and they've taken the Golden State Warriors. And LeBron James has used this opportunity to win five straight championships and told the Looney Tunes they can suck it. Welcome to Shroom for Two, the Plants vs. Zombies Heroes and Space Jam 2 podcast. I'm Mike.
1: And I'm Taylor. So nobody wrote in to tell us if they had, uh, if they knew anything about Looney Tunes or about Homestar Runner, uh, and so I can just only assume that none of you have ever heard of either of those things.
0: Either that, or we're underestimating the emotional labor needed to write an email to someone, because for all we know, emails are a thing that you only write to your grandma or your college professor.
1: Oh, geez, that's possible. Maybe
0: maybe we're just old about it. Oh, man, you want, you want to feel old about it. Imagine living in the era when people had to just write letters to each other.
1: Uh, It certainly would be pretty hard to do a podcast.
0: (laughs) It's funny you mentioned that. Um, So when my dad passed away, I went through and found a bunch of his stuff and found a box of old letters. And in one of those letters, there was a cassette tape made by an old friend of his who lived really far away. And it was kind of like a personalized podcast where he started with, like, a bunch of follow-ups from things and stories about stuff that happened. And then he closed it out with, hey, now I'm going to play some songs with you that I've been really into recently. So that was a neat little uh, time capsule discovery from the
1: early 80s. Wow, that's trippy. Uh, I guess that is kind of like a personalized podcast. I never would have considered recording an audio cassette and then mailing it to somebody. But I guess that's pretty much exactly what a personalized podcast would be the dorkiest, like, John Hughes character ever of recording a podcast for the girl you like and then mailing it to her house.
0: And plus, this way you don't have to rack up, like, a $10 phone bill.
1: Yeah, I guess so.
0: Apparently, when you write somebody a letter, the first thing you have to open it with is, I'm sorry it took so long to write back to you. So, um, one eventful thing that happened over the last week was that, uh, I got messaged by longtime... Listener Patrick and got invited to a I don't know some kind of PVC Heroes Fight Club I guess uh, he he invited me to a Telegram group which is another messaging group chat app full of a bunch of longtime Ultimate League players who are trying to I guess rack up the competition to keep themselves interested and they started doing this really interesting ten versus ten team battle setup where. You you know, you get 20 people, and each of them gets assigned one hero, and then they set up a schedule that everyone plays each other throughout the course of a season, and then they they play a best-of-fives using the same hero, but they can use any deck for that hero, which is pretty cool.
1: Right, right. And so, you know, the idea being that someone wants to specialize in one particular hero, but, like, that they don't have to lock themselves into a particular strategy, and you sort of just play against, like, the full complement of possible decks from the other side... Like, everybody plays everybody?
0: Yeah, eventually. Uh, the, w- the way it works out is that since a season is five weeks long, you play against two people every week, and then that fills up the grid nicely by the end of the season. Interesting. Yeah, it's really opened my eyes to uh, what the hyper-competitive people are are building their decks around. I um, The reason I got invited was because the person who plays uh, Beta s slash Citron had to drop out. And a slot came up, and so I took that, like, yeah, sure, I'm kind of a beta carotina main. I certainly talk about it a whole bunch on the show, and of course, as soon as I came in there, everyone's like, hey, yeah, you should totally play Citron all the time for everything, <laughs> which I understand a little more now, being like like the value of giving your stuff immunity and preventing a bunch of trades, and it probably would have helped, because I was playing against uh, Immorticia, who was running a lot of Hunting Grounds frenzy action, so I guess denying them some kills that way would have been smart, but no, I, I went with Beta Caratina because I was uh, hoping to high-roll on some conjures and let those lead me to victory. Uh, and
1: so you made some videos of it, right?
0: Yep, I put up uh, the first round of fights on the, the Shrimp for Two YouTube page. There's uh, four of them. I'm playing against a uh, a Twitch streamer known as Igma, who, according to the rest of the channel, is, like, the biggest, baddest dude there, so the fact that I didn't get swept by them made me feel pretty good. uh, Seems good. Yeah, they seem really nice, and um, they also sent in an Onion Rings Chomzilla deck for the crowd decking episode we're going to do probably next week.
1: Uh, Yeah, and you should uh, check out those games, especially game number four. Uh, We were watching that before the show, and man oh man, is it right down to the wire.
0: Yeah, all of the games were very close, which I felt good about, but uh, (laughs) some of them I lost and had myself to blame, and some of them I lost and had random number generators to blame, so you know, it's good to get a mix like that.
1: Are you are you planning on recording all of your matches in this uh, particular, like, round-robin thing, or are you just going to do that periodically?
2: Um,
0: I would like to. Um, If I only have to play two best-of-fives a week, that's not a lot of footage I have to capture. I mean, I you know, if I do this for a year, I'm probably going to knock it off at some point, but I definitely want to record uh, early on because I'm very curious what a high-end competitive deck building is like because... You know, since there's not really any kind of Tempo Storm or Icy Veins equivalent for this, you don't really, you don't really know what the the creamiest of the crops are playing. But I, uh, it did teach me some very important lessons about, you know, people are running jumping bean and extinction event around there. And I, I did some warm up matches against one of my plant teammates as uh, with them playing as Immorticia, and realized, oh man, I need to make sure I have an answer to a garg throwing garg that is next to a parasol zombie.
1: Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, that sounds like, a, uh, sounds like a pretty tough scene. You know, there's probably quite a lot of knowledge to be gained about metagaming and and just sort of, like, understanding what your opponents are capable of bringing at you um, that it's concentrated in a group like that. Yeah,
0: and the different kind of decks for each hero that are viable because I've been, I've been racking my brain for a while now trying to find out what a good z deck is like, but now I've seen a couple
1: of examples... Interesting. Well, uh, I'll be uh, interested to hear the kind of stuff that goes on in there. You know, that's this sounds really cool. And I I believe I was invited as well based on how you described it, but that I I just don't think I could commit to something like that. So I will be um, very interested to hear, like, you know, the Mike's dispatches from the the big kid table.
0: Yeah, I'll let you know how fun Fight Club is. <laughs>
1: Okie doke. So, time for card of the week. Our card of the week this week is my favorite card name in the entire game, the Ketchup Mechanic. Uh, it is a solar fruit plant. It is a 3-mana 1-1, one one, and it says when it comes in, it gets plus 1, plus 1, and you heal 1 for every zombie your opponent controls. Uh, I think that this card is really quite good.
0: Yeah, it definitely is one of the, uh, the most appealing ways to heal that are out there. And, like, it's a very good mid-range body. And, of course, you know, it does help you catch up on the field. But it is kind of weirdly situational in that it is a powerful three-drop that is not always good on turn three. And based on what kind of decks you're up against, a lot of the zombie heroes use their early turns to diddle around and, you know, maybe play an environment or play a rolling stone to kill off whatever you have. You know, ideally... If you're up against, like, a swarmy infinity deck or a sports deck that gets the arm wrestler into sumo zombie into mascot dream, then this card is phenomenal.
1: Yeah, it's especially good in that last case because in that case it comes down as a 4-4, four, four, so you can play it in front of the mascot and kill it. This card is definitely great. We're not going to go too deep into the specifics of the card itself because we have done this on the show before, but when this comes up, we like to say that, you know, um, you pretty much only need to get two hits off of this in order for it to be good. Like, if this comes down as a 3-mana three 3-3 three, three that heals you too, um, you know, just like a vanilla with upside, then that is pretty strong. But the way we're doing card of the weeks this go-around is that uh, we're building decks with them and talking about how the deck uh, makes use of the card. For this one, I wanted to revisit one of the decks that I used... Last time, in the battle episode, uh, this is my Rose deck that I had Go-Nuts in. And I was kind of trying to do lots of team-up stuff. You know, I had Go-Nuts and mix Nuts in the same deck. You know, realizing those kind of point in the same direction. Um, But having Go-Nuts and mix Nuts in the deck, especially both costing three, kind of made the the gameplay a little clunky. Like, you didn't really ever want to draw both of them. You kind of couldn't really enable both of them unless the Go-Nuts came down first. That just made me want to say, okay let's focus on this mix Nuts card. You know, it's a basic card. Everybody's got it. And I uh, wanted to see just kind of what I had to do in order to make it a um, make it pull its weight. And so I decided to take it in the direction of kind of a just sort of standard mid-rangey rose deck. Uh, so there's some more flowers in there than last time. There's some more just kind of generic good stuff like Lima Pluridon. Um, and it kind of makes better use of Briar Rose through the addition of uh Cosmic flower, so that there's more strike through kind of hit, hitting them in the face, and that when you're trading one for one by the f- briar rose killing whatever it is that hurts your flowers, uh you're also kind of getting a little bit extra by having the flower usually have strike through, given that it probably came from Cosmic flower. You know what's awesome about Cosmic flower? Mm. Red Stinger. Oh, yeah, I've actually gotten Red Stinger off it a couple of times. Um, Now that uh Red Stinger has been turned into a 2-7 seven slash 7-2, seven being able to live the dream of getting a 7-2 with Strike Through that you can hide behind, you know, some kind of random team-up weenie is uh, extremely good. Yeah, that that's pretty
0: crazy. Like, I don't run Cosmic Flower in a lot of decks, but when I do end up with one, like, say, on my free-to-play account, which I still totally play sometimes, I promise, it can really... Uh, Really shine there, and you know, flowers are great. We've talked about that at length before, sure. And this has like the core of a quote-unquote good solar deck. You know, catch it mechanic fits in perfectly right there. It's definitely better than uh than the taco.
1: I would I would definitely rather play it than the three mana heal four draw card.
0: Yeah, there there are only a couple of. Very uh, specific cases where you would want a taco, and usually they involve, like, drawing, or if you want to heal a plant you have on the field. Like, using a taco on a Briar Rose is not bad, but ketchup Mechanic is way better overall.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree that using taco to heal your face is kind of an underwhelming use of three mana. This kind of stays in the direction that the previous version was going, where, like, the top end pretty much just tops out with cob Cannon. You're not really trying to, like set up a dark matter dragon fruit or something to sweep the board. Um, you know, the, the idea that your flowers pack enough punch to get you good trades and that the, the team up stuff has enough reasonable end game in just kind of slamming a cob cannon and getting early game damage in with your strike through stuff. Um, and with mix nuts, which really does pack quite a punch through mana four, four. We've come back to you many times is like extremely good rate, I'm not playing just plain old sunflower in here, so the dream of getting the turn two activated mixed nuts is is not possible. But as good as that feels, I think that's kind of just not necessary to really have mixed nuts um, fight above its weight class.
0: In a deck like this, you're often better off using that turn two to set up a uh, solar winds. Agreed, because then you can get out the briar rose next turn and you know start feeding stuff for your cob cannon. Or even, even then throw in Mixnut behind the Solar Winds plant. Like, you know, even if you have to wait until turn three when you have four you can play the mixnut and also throw in like a Colonel Pult or a, or an Admiral Navy bean or what have you.
1: Yeah, Colonel Pult is very, like, just wanted to to have an aside and talk about that. Colonel Pult is very good at sniping things that are, are otherwise problematic for you. Like, this deck has a lot of X-1s in it. They don't always stay X-1s. Of course, catch-up mechanic, if you play it as a 1-1, one, one, um, then kind of something's going wrong. Um, But, you know, you're doing the bean thing. Uh, Cosmic Flower is a 2-1. Spirus is a 2-1. Something that is a headache in decks like that is when someone plays a Fire Rooster. Fire Rooster is very good at killing weenies, uh, it's especially good against cycle cap and so on, and uh, it's especially difficult to kill because when you play it, when you play a thing in front of it, it moves away. And so the ability to just kind of put one damage somewhere is very important for having something to come back against that hoser, and Colonel Pult is very good at doing that, because not only does it pull double duty of protecting whatever's behind it, but it also um, enables your later game stuff like cob Cannon and uh, the sort of the namesake of the deck, mix Nuts.
0: Yeah, Colonel Polt has uh, plenty of fine uses in this. You know, if you're able to stop a Doctor Space Time from ever hitting you, that's great. Or Definitely. Or picking off an, an X-1 that survived a trade last turn is, is always pretty good. I guess you can also use it as a way to power up your cop Cannon, although you don't get quite the full optimal three lanes of clear from that, but it's still not a bad play.
1: Right, yeah. I mean, you know, the the thing that you really care about with Colonel Polt is the kill a thing, the, like... If you don't evolve the Kernel Pult, it comes down and gives minus one, minus one to everything here and next door. And so, of course, if you enabled the Kernel Pult, that means you played it on the heights, which means that there's not going to be anything to the left of the cob Cannon. But if you played the cob Cannon on top of a Kernel Pult, it means you're getting the free kill. um, And the free kill is, is pretty much what you're paying for. What do you think about putting Elderberry in this deck? Um I think that elderberry would be a totally reasonable addition. Um elderberry would snot would snot. Elderberry would slot nicely in instead of the uh chompers because I wanted to have a enough team up stuff to be able to enable mixed nuts and cob cannon. In addition B, uh wanted to have enough flowers to be able to make briar rose generally able to come down and and get a two for one just kind of no matter what I had on the board, I wanted the probability of me just having a random flower to be pretty high and you know I wanted to be able to still have some removal in that way but just like the the playing the hammer itself I don't know felt like it, I was like I, I looked back and saw the the clunky like go nuts plus mixed nuts um, turns where I had multiple things that cost it three that I like kind of had to play um, and I wanted to just kind of leave some space at three for the mix nuts and the cosmic flower and stuff and then still be able to, like, hammer plus a little bit extra on the turns following it. Like, you know, I'm I'm less worried about hammering a Dr. Spacetime immediately as I am, like, you know, wanting to be able to, like, snipe a random zombie coach or something.
0: I'm a big hammer guy. Like, I will often... I guess not really as much anymore, but there are a lot of really powerful threats that it will neutralize and a lot of very intimidating 2, 3, and 4 drops that... It takes care of, but, you know, Chomper is good, too. Um, if you're running into Parasol Zombie, Chomper is obviously your best friend. If you're running into Kitchen Sink Zombie, it's awesome, because it will kill one. Like, it will deduct from the anti-hero, and then decide if it has three attack or more, so if you are if you got a Kitchen Sink Zombie in a
1: naked lane, and then you play Chomper, it will kill the Kitchen Sink Zombie, so that's pretty cool. This isn't going to get around, you know, hiding a space cowboy in a graveyard, but hiding a space cowboy in a graveyard also gets around Hammer, so, you know, like kind of the nastiest thing, they've already they already have a way to uh to to re enable that. Um and you know, like I was saying, the removal afforded by Colonel Pult um kind of deals with a lot of the kind of early game menaces and so the later game stuff is kind of more what I wanted to hit with the chomper, and the chomper um costing four is less of a problem in that way because in the later turns you'll have more mana. Kinda of wanted to wanted this to be a more proactive. Uh, Rose deck than a than a strictly reactive one. You're a big Spyrus guy, so you want to
0: tell me why you decided to throw a couple of those in there?
1: Yes, um, so I have uh, stated a few times that I think that Spyrus is good enough that you should be looking for an excuse to not play it. Um, so I think that Spyrus is great because it can just be in the water lane and can just block a random thing in the water lane that's causing you trouble. This deck has some resiliency to, like, Ducky Tube Zombie because you can get it with a Kernel Pult. But in scenarios where you need to kill something bigger than that, like, say, Toxic Waste Imp, um, Spires has a very good baseline. But I also wanted to be able to have some amount of game against Gravestones without explicitly running Gravestone removal because it really does bug me when I have, like, say, a Grave Mistake in my hand and my opponent just kind of doesn't have any Gravestone stuff. And so... Spyrus has the good baseline of being a random amphibious 2-1 that is also a flower for Briar Rose. So again, the floor is kind of increased on Spirus compared to other gravestone interacting things. And I also am a big advocate of just knowing what's inside the gravestone can, in some cases just give you sufficient advantage to to kind of not really get screwed by it. Like, if you know that a pogo bouncer is in there, the pogo bouncer's still going to get the bounce, but you're able to kind of realize that that's the specific thing you have to play around rather than, like, oh, it could be pogo bouncer, but it could also be line dancing zombie, and, like, the way you play around both of those is different. And so, like, I think that just the gravestone peak is actually probably more valuable than other people think it is if they think that that's not enough of a reason to run Spyrus.
0: Yeah, I definitely see where you're coming from on that. And since I've kind of sort of turned into a guardian hero main, I my way to find out what's in the gravestone is to destroy it and see what dies and falls out. But it does get kind of frustrating if you've got three of those in your hand and your opponent is just playing creatures and you really wish you had some cheap little dudes to deal with their cheese cutter or whatever and spyrus definitely has the advantage in that case
1: yeah you know i mean like i've I've talked about with gravestone hate you kind of don't really want to run too much of it if you're going to run two like grave busters or something you have to be able to draw them at the right time and if you draw it at the wrong time even if your opponent has lots of gravestones if they've just like played them all already then oops um and so with spyrus um you get enough benefit from it just being a flower and it just being amphibious to to warrant an inclusion IMO. It's not super amazing, you know. It is only a two of, um, but it's just like one of those cards, like you know, cheese cutter. Like you play cheese cutter just because, like, hey, maybe I can just get them on turn one sometimes, you know. Like in this, maybe I can just get them by briar rosing them, or maybe I can just get them by like, oh look, it's a it's a line dancing zombie. I know to you know, not stack up two awesome things in the same lane, kind of thing.
0: Alright, yeah, I'm glad you shared this deck with us. I I think of the decks I have ready to go, I'm running Ketchup Mechanic in like a Control Rose kind of deck, and maybe uh, Onion Rings Chompzilla, but we'll find out how common of a belief that is next week.
1: Yeah, and, and to, to bring it back around to Ketchup Mechanic, you know, I think that um, this is definitely a card that will give a new player a lot more game. Um, you know, this isn't a card that needs other stuff in your deck to work. You know, it, like it's not like there's a tribal payoff. Um, and, you know, it pretty much just says, like, if your opponent is playing stuff, I'm better. And, you know, it doesn't count environments, it doesn't count gravestones, um, but, like, just playing zombies on the board is, like, something that you're very going to see very often. Um, and in the mid range zombie decks, like sports or the, the go-wide strategies like imps or dancing, this is going to do a lot for you.
0: Yeah, we've talked before about the quality of event cards and how it tends to go down quickly the more expensive the card is, and three is about the high end of the most expensive a uh, plant event card can cost and still be great, and Catcher Mechanic is one of those examples why
1: yeah i would say that Kendra mechanic definitely falls in the solidly great camp i don't remember what its rank was like way back a while ago someone ranked um like all the event cards um in like an infographic and ketchup mechanic was definitely in like the upper end of the plant stuff i think it was i don't remember if it was a b or an a but it's like it's i would give it an a it's it would go in pretty much every solar tech that i'd ever make
0: Okay, we're gonna wrap this week up with a light mailbag our first question is from listener Austin who writes in to say hey Mike and Taylor I was looking through my collection and was wondering if there was a deck that you can use terrified in so I made one and then he sends in a Mac deck about uh moving stuff around and buffing it up running uh things like newspaper zombie and going viral and con man and you know the things you think of when you
1: run ZMEC. Yeah, and, and so terrify um as a reminder is the zombie trick from the core set that's two mana move a plant draw a card um and so it's basically like sort of the zombie version of gardening gloves it's like literally the exact text of gardening gloves except it's a zombie card or like a slightly different smoke bomb yeah or like banana peel like you know there, there's a, there's a handful of those like cheap tricks that moves stuff around. And in this case, it would be one of three cards that moves stuff around. So that would Terrify would be one, Black Hole is a 4X in this deck as another, and Sumo Zombie, of course, is a 4X in this deck as well. So the idea being that you, know, you put weenies and stuff in front of Newspaper Zombie, which you then buff with stuff like Healthy Treat or Going Viral or, I guess, um, Escape Through Time wouldn't really count because it would prevent the guy from taking damage um but you, so you know you put weenies in front of your guys that want to get hit and then they get hit and then your guy gets big so i have a little bit
0: of experience building decks that run terrify the uh, the first one happened when i was still a new player and was playing pretty much only the smash and i thought you know i've been running sumo zombie in all of these decks and sumo zombie's pretty good but everyone kind of expects it because it was like the only hardy gravestone that cost 2 so I thought, what if I made a deck and instead of running Sumo Zombie, I ran Terrify as my two man away to move things around to uh to surprise people. And uh the answer was it it didn't make the deck better. Like having the 2 3 body is an underrated big part of Sumo Zombie and like Sumo Zombie might be one of one of the best two drop gravestones in the game. No, no, arg- no argument here. Yeah, you know, maybe it's not teleport zombie, but after that it is As good as any of the other ones, for sure. And uh, the other deck that I uh, snuck Terrify into was based on one of the recipe decks in the game. It is a a Neptuna deck that I believe is called something like Get Out of the Way, where it's based around moving stuff with things like Black Hole and Smoke Bomb and using that to either power up an Arm Wrestler or to get your mini ninja to hit for anti-hero bonus. And Terrify works all right in that kind of deck and in a lot of ways it's better than smoke bomb because you're not losing out on any kind of uh card advantage because with smoke bomb you're kind of pumping another card's worth of value into one card to get a little more damage out and that is that's often the kind of trade if you make that enough you'll run out of cards and lose before your opponent runs out of health so terrify is good for that front in that it replaces itself and is just as good about putting stuff in front of your uh your all-star zombie or your arm wrestler or whatever have you
1: yeah i i would draw the distinction between uh, smoke bomb and terrify in that way like with with terrify you're probably trying to move stuff to enable something that wants to get hit or as smoke bomb you want to use to get extra anti-hero damage to the face because you're very right that smoke bomb is like basically card disadvantage um you know they can still kill whatever thing you played it on just as easy um, and so then that means that once they trade a creature for it, then you've been two for one cause you lost your creature and you played the smoke bomb on it. Uh, so what you're really getting with smoke bomb is face damage. And so terrify is less good at enabling face damage because there has to be a, a plant in front of whatever thing you want to hit face with. There has to be only one plant and there has to be a space for you to move it. Uh, so like that doesn't really line up quite as well. So, um, this, this I would say, is probably more of a newspaper zombie deck than it is a terrify deck. Like, the the constraint of, what if we played 4X terrify, is a deck-building restriction on here. Um, but really, the powerhouse of this deck is the newspaper zombie, um, because there's a lot of other cards kind of orbiting around it, like Healthy Treat and stuff, that are trying to make it better.
0: Yeah, I guess you can use it to proc your Dino Roar, but uh, Austin's also running 4X of the zombie middle manager, which is... Literally more than twice as good at procking your Dino Roar since it only costs one and it is a creature.
1: Is there even any Dino Roar
0: stuff in the deck? Not in this one, no. But if you wanted to, like, you know, put Terrify in your Stompadon deck, I guess you could do that.
1: Yeah is is Newspaper Zombie a um a professional? Um, I think so. Looking
0: at the game, looking at the game, stalling for time
1: yeah he's professional so that's pretty good zombie middle manager is both a a good card in and of itself and also um your newspaper zombie will trigger a buff increase on the um the middle manager itself um and so you know that's not bad this deck definitely looks pretty good and you know the the power shrinking stuff with like black hole and landscaper um goes well with the removal that you'd be running in a deck like this so um Austin is playing knockout. Um, you know, Rolling Stone would also fit. Like in a scenario where you're saying, "What if I ran 4x terrify?" You're not really expecting to make the most powerful deck. This is like a, this is like, can I beat you with not quite one hand tied behind my back, but like, can I beat you with a suboptimal tool set? Is kind of what's happening here. And this deck looks, you know, consistent and um, and focused enough that it probably would do a pretty good job, especially for new players. Okay, I just uh, made
0: a Z-Mech deck with 4 Terrify and then hit Finish for me. And uh, this seems to be kind of a dancer deck it decided to make, running stuff like Binary Stars and uh, and Cosmic Dancer and Aerobic Zombie. But it's also running Chum Champion with no other sports cards.
1: So Perhaps the uh, deck-building prowess of the Finish for me button is uh, not something that you would like to hang your hat on. So I just did that, and I got kind of a half-assed pirate uh, deck. So I've got Swashbuckler and uh, the Barrel Roller Guy and the Space Pirate. But then I've also got, uh, like, 4X Mixed Up Gravedigger with maybe the only gravestone as the Swashbuckler. Let me verify that. Yes. So that's uh, not great. No graveyards or anything to give anything else. Yeah. So I would say that that is a non-good way of of building a deck with an interesting restriction. But this deck is cool. Thank you, Austin.
0: Yes, thank you for the deck and the question.
1: And our next question comes from listener Adam, who wants us to talk a little bit more about Go-Nuts. So we got this question before we had our kind of Go-Nuts episode uh, wherein we went nuts. Uh, so we're going to um, kind of take a glancing blow off this question. Um, but Adam does ask for some elaboration about whether Beta Carotina is the um, the direction that you'd want to go with a Go-Nuts deck. Points out that multiple of Beta Caratina's superpowers interact with team-up stuff, so her ultimate gives you a team-up thing. Lieutenant Keratin both has team-up and conjures a root, several of which have team-up. And so I would agree that uh, Beta Caratina is the correct place to play a Go-Nuts deck. Um, I did quite a bit of that back when Go-Nuts was brand new. And I think that Beta Caratina is both good at enabling Go-Nuts through the team-up stuff in her superpower set, but is also good at giving you time to play Go Nuts because her uh, superpowers are good enough in the early game, like kind of in a vacuum, that you're able to kind of like pull focus from a naked turn 3 Go Nuts that you would be able to play by like, oh look, my ultimate conjured a big gross thing that you have to tap out on turn 2 in order to kill. Um, So then, or tap out on turn 3 in order to kill. So now... Here I go playing my Go-Nuts on turn three. You're out of mana, so you can't deal with it. And then now on turn four, I've got a handful of weenies, and I can can flood the board. So I think that's kind of a, um, kind of a deceptive benefit that Beta Caratina brings to the Go-Nuts concept, where it's like, you know, you can look at, at Citron and say like, oh, look, I protect my team, I protect my combo. I can play Go-Nuts turn early because I can use my ultimate to protect it. But Beta Caratina protects it too, which it protects it in a different way.
0: I'm going to do something very out of character, and cape for Citron over Beta Caratina in
1: this specific... You're going to do what? What was that verb? Cape. Is that, like, is that like standing?
0: Yeah, where you put on the cape to defend
1: something. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. We'll so,
0: continue. so, Citron's superpowers are also beneficial for Go-Nuts. You have the one that will create a walnut, so that has team-up synergy, but it also has two of them that will keep Go-Nuts from getting killed which, as we saw in our um, in one of the fight episodes from last week, I was able to uh, throw down Citron's superpower at the exact time to stop your barrel of dead beers from wiping my field out. And yeah, that was pretty nasty. Often, with a Go-Nuts deck, you're really trying to get it... You just need it to survive one turn. Like, if you can get it to survive one combat, and then the next turn you can fill your board up with cheap little things like walnut and garlic and, and go off from there. I do think that the uh the guardian smarty hero is the best one for gonuts
1: uh in terms of having the best like palette of team up dudes to to throw at
0: it and also photosynthesizer because you know right. as we've talked about before expensive two health plants are usually bad and this is a way to turn that into a two four and a two four is a lot harder to kill and you also get a card out of it
1: no arguments with either of
0: those but I think that based on our uh, our fight episode from last week where I spent more time with go than I had in a while, I think I like it more as a win condition in a deck rather than the win condition in a deck. So I would prefer to run out a Gonuts deck that was something more like my Green Shadow one or had like a big bean package. Like you can run a bean package with any Gonuts deck because they're all smart eat cards, so... You have that going for you. It could also be, you know, of the number of things that you play to stall until you can get Dark Matter Dragon Fruit out on the field. So that that's always nice, too. But uh... Yeah, you know, it's
1: the... Go um, Go-Nuts' status as, like, a glass cannon really, like, suggests that you go all in with it. That, like, the idea of you start the turn with Go-Nuts in play, you play three or four team-up plants, um, and as such add, like, 15, 16 power to the board... And then if they can't deal with it, then you win the game. There are a number of problems that are presented with that concept of a, like, how do you get it to live? How do you get it to... How do you make sure that they don't just block? How do you make sure that they don't just deal one damage to your whole field and have you cry? You know, there are there are a couple different avenues to attack those problems. And to me, the most important one of those to solve is the how do you get it to live problem. If you dump your hand and put all of the stuff on the board, and then they kill it all, that sucks, and you probably lose. But you can't stop your opponent from having certain cards in hand. You can only influence them to make whatever decisions. And, like, no matter how long your go-nuts has been around, if you've got a field full of stuff that will kill them, your opponent is going to use those cards to counteract your plan. But Beta Caratina's superpowers create more interesting gameplay, in my opinion, because they make they make an early game that your opponent is forced to respond to and that like is a good backup plan for you when the go nuts isn't happening at the very start of the game if you need to like hold your own on the board until you draw the go nuts and your deck is just kind of full of weenies that are like making bad trades and doing whatever then like you you might fall over before you have a chance to deploy your your main combo piece And so I think that the fact that the early game gets shored up is an essential piece of playing a glass cannon strategy. Whereas like if the early game is just kind of left up to whatever cards you get. And then once you get the combo piece, you're a little bit more resilient then, which is kind of the plan that Citron would present. I think that that is kind of fighting the wrong battle. Maybe I think that like, you want to put the power points of your superpower into the beginning part rather than the later part.
0: Yeah. You also run into the problem with GoNuts decks of wanting to hoard all of the cheap team up things in your hand until you can get it on the field sure. to try and get as many fires of it as you can, even though you're setting yourself up with a worse field and might get too far behind to ever come back
1: uh yeah i mean you know the card's got problems um the card is not an absolute slam dunk in terms of being like a strategic mastermind uh you kind of have to leave your nose open to some extent in order to try to get really big that's just kind of part and parcel of these uh like wacky build around me's
0: but yeah thank you adam for sending in about go nuts and um i think we've talked about it enough for a while we can probably lay off it for for another year (laughs) yeah maybe so uh, to finish things off, we've got another question here from listener Austin who has a question about the PvZ Heroes Discord because uh, Discord has a, a voice chat feature and he was wondering about the idea of us recording an episode of Stream for Two live from the Discord instead of doing it from a private Skype call
1: like we usually do. That would be pretty interesting. My understanding of the Discord voice chat stuff is that like you can have a mod which can, like, grant and revoke voice privilege, uh, like, one at a time, so that, like, we have voice all the time when we're recording the show, and it'll be like, and now a question from Steve Dave, and then you give voice to Steve Dave. And, I mean, uh, yeah, if we could figure out a time when, like, there would be enough people around to want to participate and to want to ask us questions, which, you know, would probably be... I don't know how good Wednesday night would be for that, but, or, or whatever day this Tuesday is. Tuesday night. Tuesday night. You know, like, if we could find a time when everybody would be around, um, then, yeah, I'd give that a shot.
0: I have some questions about the technical logistics, just because I'm so unfamiliar with Discord voice chat, and, like, I would want to make sure that our microphones worked and that we were able to actually record, because the program I used to record the Skype calls is kind of like an extension of Skype. Oh, so, okay. I don't know if Discord has their own way to record stuff, but I—it's got to be possible because I—I've heard of other podcasts who do their recording on Discord. So it, you know, the technology's got to be out there, and uh, maybe one of our listeners more familiar with Discord can write in and fill us in on that.
1: I bet you could—you um, could set Audacity or something to just like listen to whatever was coming out of your sound, jobby. But yeah, uh,
0: we're open to the idea. We probably won't migrate there permanently. It would probably be like a like a special occasion, one off party time hangout. But uh, yeah, it sounds fun though. Like we'd like to, and I would like to think that the PVZ Heroes Discord has like a like we're not just going to get trolled by some eight year olds.
1: Uh, yeah. So if you're not an eight year old, and or you would not troll us, if you were to send us a uh, voice question on a special episode of Shroom for Two, uh, write to us at Shroom for Two Podcast at Gmail com and tell us that you think that would be cool.
0: And you can attach your Onion Rings Chomzilla deck to that email as well, because we're going to be poring over those next week.
1: Yeah, for sure. And uh, check out those videos that Mike recorded from the uh, super secret Ultimate League Fight Club uh, that are on our YouTube page now, our YouTube being also a Shroom for Two podcast. And uh, yeah, just hope you guys are continuing to enjoy the show.
0: Oh, and I got a gig blogging for uh, an NFL website that just started up. So if you want to hear my thoughts about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you can go to Siege the Bay, I think is what they're called, yeah, where I, I wrote a little piece about uh, last night's Monday Night Football game. So if if the overlap of people who are into PvZ Heroes and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is greater than just me, then go and
1: check that content out. Yeah, uh, good job uh, plugging your, your side gig there, Mike. I have nothing to plug yet at this time, but if I do, I will be sure to shamelessly do so. And until then, I'm Taylor. And I'm Mike. See you next time, everybody.
0: Have a great weekend.
2: Everybody get up. It's time to slam now. We got the real jam going down. Welcome to the Space Jam. Here's your chance. Do your dance at the Space Jam. All right.